Welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Welcome to another episode of Family Financial Feuds. I'm very excited about today's topic. We're going to try something a little different here, and we have an exciting announcement for you. I'm Kathy Sweedler from University of Illinois Extension, and I'm here with my colleague, Kamaya Wallace-Bichard, and I'm going to turn it over to her to let Kamaya kind of give you an overview of what we're doing and share some exciting news. Thank you, Kathy. Um, it's always a pleasure just to be on with you. So for today, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on like financial inclusion. So a lot of the topics that we've covered have focused specifically on different personal finance topics. So whether it's managing credit savings, the last one we did was on credit and inflation, you know, a lot of those topics that are important to us. And so today we wanted to take just a little bit of a different approach to talking more about what financial inclusion actually means to us and the type of work that we do to promote financial inclusion. This is also because my role has changed within University of Illinois Extension. I have moved into a new role as Assistant Director for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access for Illinois Extension. Yes, we're very excited about like this new opportunity. And so for Kathy and I, as we started talking more about, you know, transitioning from my role as a consumer economics educator into this new assistant director role, we started to reflect a little bit on what are the things that we have done, you know, continuing educational opportunities that we have pursued that has influenced the type of work that we do to promote financial inclusion. And so with that being said, we want to just like take the time just to give you kind of like a broad scope definition of what financial inclusion actually means. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what that means to us. So I have a definition from the World Bank that focuses on financial inclusion. And it states that financial inclusion means that individuals and businesses have access to useful and affordable financial products and services that meet their needs. So that could mean, of course, including with like transaction, payments, savings, credit, insurance, different things like that, that's delivered in a responsible and sustainable way. So this is the broad scope definition of financial inclusion. And, you know, when we think about, you know, this definition, of course, is coming from the World Bank. But when we kind of look back on the type of work that we do as educators and, you know, for others listening who might be providing counseling or different opportunities where you are working one-on-one or within groups with different people and thinking about the dynamics of your groups or the characteristics and dynamics of the people that you work with, you know, what financial inclusion actually means for you, for your work and for those that you work with. So Kathy and I are reflecting on this a little bit. We're, we're asking this question as, you know, what does financial inclusive education and practices mean to us? So Kathy, I'm going to hand it to you and tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. So to me, this one has so many layers, you know, that I get can easily go down that rabbit hole. And I do think, you know, the definition you shared where access to useful and affordable products and services, that's a really good starting place, you know, Mm -hmm. that everybody have access to tools like checking accounts and savings accounts that are in their communities, that they have access to low-cost loans, that they have low-cost fees on accounts and financial services. That's all really important. And there's lots of different players in our communities that can work together to make sure that those things happen for everybody. But that to me is like one piece. And then there's also the piece where people have the access and their ability to reach their full potential for earning income in the ways they want to earn income. And 
That one maybe gets a little bit far out of our field of financial education. And often, as Kamaya and I have discussed, what we end up is we're working with people who have not had access to everything. And so they have lower incomes. And so we're working with people who have lower incomes, perhaps because they've been excluded from things, whether that's because they are a person with disability or they come from an LGBTQ community or maybe an immigrant community or many, many other identities that we could discuss. But the truth of the matter is they're not making as much money as they might and they may not retire or move into retirement age with the financial security that other people might have. Mm-hmm. So we we definitely, you know, need to keep all of that in mind when we're working with people. When we're looking at financial education, I think one of the real challenges is we tend to teach from what we know and what we've experienced. Right? We do. We do. And that's natural. That's Mm -hmm. normal. But we have to stretch ourselves to become aware, to meet people who come from experiences and backgrounds that are different than ours. So that when we teach, it feels natural to think about people whose lives might look different from ours, who may, you know, for example, you know, I've been married for years. I have three children. That doesn't mean that's what everybody's done. That doesn't mean that's what everybody wants. That may not be my life stage and what my life looks like in the future. And so when I'm teaching, I need to keep that in mind. I need to give examples that reflect people in many different situations, life stages, environmental contexts, all those things, so that people feel included when they're listening to me. And maybe that's the piece, that inclusive, if we just think, do I feel included in this podcast that I'm listening to? Do I feel included in this Mm -hmm. webinar? Or is there a barrier? Because I don't hear as well, or I don't see the screen as well. Or the examples don't make sense to me because they don't look like my life. You can't relate. You can't relate. And if you can't relate, then you're not likely to listen and be able to absorb the financial information or practices that I'm talking about. That's the hard part for me. Yeah. Keep all of that in mind when I'm talking and developing financial education materials. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I heard so many things from what you said with like the intersectionality of multiple identities and some identities that have been historically um, been discriminated against and how that might affect people's livelihood, you know, their ability to continue education or to obtain jobs that meet the the goals that they do set for their life. So thank you for, for saying that. And you also talk about like that self-reflection and that critical kind of self-reflection where you're looking back to say, how have I done my work in the past? And what are some things that I can consider as I'm working with people moving forward? So thanks for sharing that. And I'll answer it as well too. When I think about financial inclusion, I do think about all the different processes that involve in helping everyone fill in valued and respected with whatever we're doing, whether it is, you know, on a podcast or we're doing a workshop where it was if it's in person versus online, wherever we are offering like those types of opportunities that people do feel like they do belong and they feel respected and valued. But we're also using those like critical lenses that Kathy mentioned to know that everybody's not coming from like 
like the same place. People have different experiences and opportunities that have influenced why they might be signing up for your class or why they might be on that list of to receive information from you. Everybody's not starting from that same place. And just knowing that I think plays a crucial role in, you know, the work that we do moving forward. And I was mentioning to Kathy earlier before we started recording that even looking back on my teaching experiences and other engagement opportunities, I'm like, there are some missed opportunities here where I could have talked more about, you know, how does financial inclusion come into play when when we're talking about like a, a specific topic or, you know, even describing like an experience? How can we incorporate more of that type of language? So again, everyone does feel valued and respected when they are engaging with us. And then one of the things that I think is if you can stay open and listening, you learn Mm -hmm. so much from the people that you're working with on the audiences that does really help you see your own biases Mm -hmm. and maybe help you understand what do we need to do moving forward? So I think all of us know of things that we could have done better at some <laughs> point in time, right? Yeah. I mean, lots of them. But you know, when we look forward to what do we want to incorporate into personal financial education that would increase our inclusive practices, I think that's where being open, just, you just learn and and Mm -hmm. you grow. And so it's not, I don't want people to feel like, you know, how do I expand my, you know, I am who I am and that's what I know. Yeah, you are who you are now, but you have so much potential to, to grow in the future and to build on things. And in the last few years, for example, I've been able to teach money mentors volunteers. And I've learned so much from the volunteers, so much about inclusive practices when I've had opportunities to work with people who've wanted to volunteer, but perhaps had a disability that, you know, pushed me Mm -hmm. to find different ways to teach, to expand my teaching repertoire. That was just wonderful opportunity for me. And each person brings such a special thing to their volunteering. And I think that's really been a thing that has helped me a lot. Right. And rich and diverse experiences, right? So all the stories that you hear from people about, you know, things that they've done in their lives and how that has informed how they work as a volunteer with other people in the community. One of the things I just got to jump in and say too is we don't always think about this, but one of my memories that I just love so much is one class we had of money mentors that was ranging in age from like 20 to literally like 80 plus. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how do you pay for things? What do you use to pay for things? And just really seeing the light bulbs go off in the volunteers that were in the trainings Mm -hmm. heads about, oh, just because I only write checks. If I go to somebody and they don't write checks, but they're using a different form, like, you know, peer-to-peer payment, I don't necessarily get to change them. I need to think Mm -hmm. about how they do it and work with that. And it was such a light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. And other people to sit here you mean you walk around with cash in your pocket all the time? Like, why would you do that? It was just wild, right? And we don't always think about ageism, but that goes on both directions, right? I'm it not really sure that's does. how that word is defined. But yeah, being aware of differences across generations, a piece of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such an excellent uh, example to share. And, you know, as you kind of hinted towards like that, those inclusive financial practices in financial education, I think sometimes people do think they need to be experts on a particular topic, right? So I need to be experts in understanding more about the challenges that people with disabilities face, or I really need to know all the things about what LGBTQ um, communities and population face. 
But when it comes to like inclusive financial work, we know that people have expertise in like different areas. And there are resources and other opportunities for people to do continuing education or to build on like their skill sets and their knowledge set. So it's not asking you to go ahead and learn something different in, in a different context. It's learning more in how it's going to help enhance your work and also helping you to connect with people, to learn more about what people face um, in their day to day. But it's not demanding that you take a two-year certificate program um, just to understand the fact that, yes, we have different communities within our country, within our world that are facing a lot of different challenges that are unique to them. And so when we're able to kind of open our mind and, and reflect on how we can incorporate, that becomes an important piece. So I'll share an example of this with me. So I've been interested in understanding more about, you know, how do different educators and financial professionals work with people with disabilities? And so I've been, and Kathy as well, has been a part of the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education, AFCPE. And so each year when they do have like their symposium, I usually attend sessions that are hosted by the National Disability Institute. So this institute, one of their key job is to focus on you know, financial education and empowerment of people with disabilities. And so like with these opportunities, they help me to learn more about some of what their research says, their approach to, you know, working with people with disabilities, the type of workshop that they offer. They provide research on understanding the inter intersectionality of people's experiences. So say, for example, you know, some of their research focus on understanding that for people with disability that are Black, Indigenous, or Latinx, they might have higher poverty rate and how that might, you know, be different than people who don't have disabilities and people who do have disabilities but are not not people of color. So I say that to just highlight the fact that for other educators, for other volunteers who work with people, um, you know, on personal finances, it is definitely important to seek out these opportunities to know that, yes, you may not be an expert in a particular topic, but there are opportunities for you to learn more and to grow and to provide more opportunities for, you know, colleagues and other people that you're working on moving forward. One of the things, sometimes we find out things sort of just by luck or serendipitously. And, mm -hmm. you know, when one of the silver linings, I think, that happened during the pandemic was we went and did a lot more webinars than mm -hmm. we had been doing previously. And in extension, we'd often been doing very in person, mm -hmm. you know, in our communities that we serve. But one of the things I hadn't fully known was how difficult it is for many people to get to a physical location based mm -hmm. on a disability or not having access to a car or transportation to get somewhere or not having childcare to be able to get somewhere or be working a swing shift so you can't get to a program at a time. And when we did our webinar series, we heard from so many people who told us, thank you, because this makes it much more accessible yes. for us. And honestly, that wasn't something Thing I expected. I think a lot of us were like, well, we have no choice. It's the pandemic. We need to expand mm -hmm. our webinar offerings, online things. But I think at the beginning, we kind of saw it as a negative, like we might not reach as many people. 
And what we found, at least I feel strongly we found, was that we were reaching different people, people that couldn't come to our Mm in-person programming. And by using some of the technology that exists, like being able to turn on the closed captioning that happens while you're talking, when you're on a Zoom meeting, whatever that term is, sorry. Being able to use things like that by able to now, when you're working in a PowerPoint, click and and it tells you, oh, your your font's not good contrast for Mm -hmm. visibility. And you just have this tool that tells you that. And you're like, oh, I can fix that. Learning how to use this technology that now exists is just really exciting to me. And just the fact that we can reach people with financial education in a different way. And not to say that in-person doesn't have its value too. I believe it does. But when it comes to reaching, being more inclusive, I think using the tools, the technology that allows us to reach other people is really important. And think about like the lessons for the long-term that that has provided for us. Whereas now if we're offering any programs, and of course we've always made accommodations, but in offering any programs, having options for people to be able to say, I won't be able to drive up to the center where you're doing that, but I'm glad that there's an option for me to join via Zoom, or there might be a recording that I can go back to watch later. And so even for like that connection that we want to feel with people as we're doing like our work, that becomes so important. And this part of what Kathy just said just leads into our next question about, you know, what are some of the inclusive financial education programs that we have done in extension and some of the values and lessons that we have learned from that? And and I can kick it off to share that even with like our podcast, using like critical lens and in how we talk about different topics such as women and money, financial transparency, like those types of topics, even incorporating like mindfulness and mindfulness techniques and how we discuss money issues and understanding who you are with money. All of those are part of our goals to do more inclusive financial practices, because we know that, you know, when it comes to money and talking about money, it can be hard. So even when we're kicking off our webinar series, we try to to start with like a topic so that people can have time to think more about and reflect on like just their history with money, their experiences with money and how that might influence how they make decisions now and why they might be motivated to come to like those different sessions for the webinar. So part of like our goals for inclusive financial education is looking at different ways in how we can incorporate topics that really do matter to people. It put on like our empathetic lens, it put on our understanding lens to just know more about people and trying our best when we go into some of like the harder topics that we know uh, people might have like a harder time with. We set like a foundation already for this. And we can continue to build on that foundation. So using the podcast as an example, I'm sure Kathy has um, different examples of how we've done that with like just different programs or topics that we've covered. I think one example I'd like to share is a program that we've been doing for actually, I just looked up over 25 years and which is all my money. And that is a curriculum that University of Illinois developed and has revised and continued to revise and use that is really focused on helping people with less income Mm -hmm. and recognizing one of the reasons we developed this curriculum and continue to work with it is recognizing that everybody doesn't have equal access to the financial inclusion piece 
of useful and affordable financial and products and services. So not everybody has been able to be banked. Not everybody has access to low cost loans. And so given the reality of the services that people have access to, what's the best way to help them make choices and provide information so that they can make informed choices about the services they do have access to. And when the program was first rolled out, many of these communities, people in these communities also didn't have access to much technology. So that has actually changed mm-hmm. over the years. And I just saw a report that the number of people unbanked has gone down, which is, whoo, that's fantastic. But I think looking when you're teaching to not just who comes to your programs, but who is not coming to your Mm -hmm. programs. And then looking critically at the programming you're offering and saying, what do we need to offer so that we can meet the needs of the people who are not coming? And in a lot of ways, all my money has done that for us. It's not the total answer. I'm not saying it's, you know, taking care of everything, but it did help us address a real need that we saw in Illinois and continue to see. So that's one thing. And when you talked about the webinars, that's sort of like a new thing for us. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've always done distance education, but really, I feel like in the last couple of years, we've really taken our programming to a different level with offering inclusive webinars, putting them out on YouTube, which is, you know, not our product, but uploading them there so that more people can find them and utilize them. I think that is a piece of being inclusive. Yes. And I I like that you shared that as well, too, because as I mentioned before, with not everybody being an expert in every area of inclusive education, but we work with partners who have different skill sets and knowledge based on the different topics that we cover. So one of our webinar series is like Get Savvy webinar series that we do work with like partners from across Illinois and people bring just like different skill sets to the topics that they have. And you have what I will say a diverse group of people in terms of our topical area, the experiences that we bring, the focuses that we would like to to bring to like the webinar series. And so that again, gives just like a lot of different people and opportunity to share of topics that they think might be useful for people who will be attending our webinar. So going back to what Kathy said about having like those opportunities to work with people, but also again, to provide like different resources and things that will, will matter to them. I guess that's one of the challenges I'd throw out there to everybody listening to this, whether or not you are a financial educator or just interested is, you know, if you're providing a service, who isn't using your service? Mm -hmm. And is it because they really don't need it or don't want it? Or is it because it's not in a format that makes it accessible? And I think that's something that we need to keep in mind throughout looking at just life in our society and where where we are, um, you know, and so those are just a random thought of mine as we're working on, you know, moving forward in the next few years. Yeah. And I like that thought too. There's also been different discussions around, you know, if we're providing opportunities for, for people to attend whatever programming, whatever sessions that we're offering, how do we help people build kind of like those psychological safety? And so I say this just because people are coming from different places. Some of us may have traumatic experiences when it comes to money, um, you know, may have had traumatic experience within families and outside of families. 
families when it comes to money. So for any programs, for any counseling session, how is our environment set up to help people have that level of psychological safety where, say, for example, we have somebody who is a part of the LGBTQ population or, or communities, and just from prior experience, whether that is within their families or just out into the communities where they may have had some traumatic experiences, you know, around the topic of money, you know, what are some of the ground rules that we set for having discussions, whether online, because we know that lots of times when we have public webinars, lots of opinions get shared in the chat, lots of things like that. Kathy's smiling because she knows we get lots of comments. So for us with like trying to build that where we're saying your opinions matter, but we are doing things in a respectable way and how we treat people here, all of that stuff matters. So um, an important part of this for us is, you know, helping people work through some of what they're working through, because sometimes it takes a lot for somebody to sign up for a personal finance class. Sometimes it really does take a lot of them. So if we can set some of the groundwork, and I mentioned this before in one of the sessions that we do that focus a lot on understanding a little bit more about ourselves and our relationship to money, that is one approach that we've always um, liked to use just to have that space for people to think more about that. And even if it does bring up like those negative feelings, it's also a way for us to, to understand more from people's perspective and for people to do even like those self-evaluation as well too. So I wanted to add that piece in because like I said, for us, we, we've worked to build in uh, financial inclusion in, in all aspects of our work. And of course, there's so much more to do, but glad that we have actively thought about this and actively um, included it throughout our work. I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think that's one of those things that's really important that we we talk to our partners about that as well when we're doing programming. Mm-hmm. And we often, we try to remember, and I won't say we, we've been 100% on this, when we start a webinar or a group discussion where we have people interacting with each other and say, you know, we all come to this from a different place. We're going to have different opinions. Your opinions are valued, as Kamaya mm-hmm. said, but we're also going to be respectful. And we're going to keep in mind that the way I do something is not necessarily right for everybody. And the way they do it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, might make a lot of sense to them. And so setting that stage, kind of setting our boundaries, maybe Mm -hmm. in terms, I think helps keep, just kind of brings up to everybody's top of their brain. Oh yeah, they want to hear from me, but I Mm -hmm. do need to stay respectful because really keep in mind that just even little comments that people might make that don't seem like a big deal can make somebody feel not included and make somebody feel like this is not a place I want to share in Mm -hmm. and not a place I want to come back to. And so it's not okay just to let those comments go by Mm -hmm. or to just speak off the top of your head without thinking about the fact that other people around you may see it from a very different perspective. Yeah. And as you said that too, I'm thinking of the fact that in some situation where somebody might be paying for a a session versus, you know, attending a session for free where people are devoting their time to meet with you, whether it's the educator or a counselor or some other financial professional that they might be meeting with, you know, they're spending like that time with you. And so, you know, if they decide that 
or experience something within like those interactions or, or within those sessions, that can be a, a huge deal breaker for a lot of people to be like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I think I might be moving on to different things. And I've experienced that in my personal life too, where if I felt that, you know, whether my race or my gender or my ethnicity accent, all of that come into play and you get like these weird feelings where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, thanks so much for your time. And that's it. Right. Yeah. And that's, again, where I think stopping every once in a while and looking around and saying, who's not coming to my programs Mm -hmm. or who's not in my client base or who's not in my social group can help you think about biases that you might have. And we all have biases that are unintentional, but we can take steps to change those and to grow. And and that's, I think, really where we are right now when we talk about inclusive financial education and practices saying, you know, take a look at where you are now, look at what's working. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. drop what's working, but what can you do to increase the inclusiveness? Mm -hmm. And what can you do to bring more people in and more perspective in? And I think we'll always be able to grow in that way. Yeah. And our approaches aren't one size fit all because we know that depending on your audience, right? So for us in extension, audience is a huge deal. And I know in other industries as well, too. But just knowing your audience is a huge deal, knowing that a a one size fit all approach doesn't work when you're trying to do like financial inclusion um, or do like those practices that are going to matter to people. So just making sure that you are putting on those lenses to say, oh, I am working with my youth at this community center today. I know um, a little bit about their background, about their history. It's the end of the day and it's usually hard sometimes at the end of the day. What are some things that I can do as I'm going in with like this youth financial education program to help build rapport and also to show that I understand about how their day might have been, or just because I've talked with the manager for the center. So I know which students are coming in. So I know a little bit of background information on these students. So I can use that with my cultural um, humility lens just to say, all right, I'm going in and I'm going to be talking with them today about savings, but maybe I should talk a little bit different than I have to a different youth group that has like a different focus. So, you know, part of like this whole process with financial inclusion is again, and focusing on who are we talking with and why does this matter to this group and, and understanding just like some of those different cultural um, diversity within like the different groups that we work with. And, you know, that savings example, I'm going to pull that out a little <laughs> bit here because that's the question. It's always that stickler, right? People ask you in from the audience, how much should I be saving? Mm-hmm. How much do I need for an emergency savings fund? And I've always found that one to be super challenging because, you know, it depends on how much disposable income you mm-hmm. have or how much income you have. Let's just go there. And it depends on your age and it depends on what your goals are. But people want a hard answer. They just want that percentage or X number of months. And I Mm -hmm. think we have to really, I have to anyway, be careful that I don't just fall for the easy answer that I could give. And that's one where I've had Mm -hmm. many, an organizer come to me and say, somebody came into our classroom and they told people that they had to have X thousands or X number of months or X whatever saved, or they'd be a failure in personal finance and everybody tuned out after that. And so, like I said, it only takes a very little bit before Mm -hmm. somebody decides you're not being inclusive and I'm not going to listen anymore. And and then, you know, you have a problem. Mm -hmm. 
Because with that example, okay, here's your audience. You do know that these are individual people in this audience with a varying background, different situation, life situation. For some people, they may have been saving, but something happened and they had to, you know, make some tough decisions there. For some people, they might have Asian parents or families who live in another country that they have to help with getting things or set chronic up for health them. Or chronic health, health issues. So, or student with, loan debt. Yes. Or, so you know, they're supporting several other family members locally or, you know, Mm -hmm. so many things that even when I'm looking at a relatively homogeneous group, you know, graduating seniors from mechanical engineering, that Mm -hmm. sounds homogeneous, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is each of those people in that room have very unique environments and backgrounds Mm -hmm. and things going on. And you need to keep that breath in your mind as you're answering even simple questions like how much should I save out of each paycheck? Yes. Very true. Such a great way to say that. And I know we've we've shared some example with you, but again, our focus has been on, you know, how do we build more financial inclusive personal finance education opportunities? And so again, for a lot of people who are, you know, Kathy, Maya, these are great examples, but what are some things that I could actually do right now? I want to just like move your attention to understanding a little bit more about what inclusive leadership looks like. And so when it comes to like inclusive leadership, it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, in like this high authority of power, or you have to be managers of people. Um, leadership just means what work are you doing? And how can you use like these skill set within your work to make people feel valued and to deliver programming or to deliver counseling sessions where people want to come back and speak with you. So with these types of leader, and this is from like the Harvard Business Review, they have um, several articles on, you know, some of the key characteristics of inclusive leadership. So within like your personal finance world and some of all that you do, what does an inclusive leader look like? So some of the examples that they use, an inclusive leader shows that they are committed to, you know, diversity, inclusion, access, equity. It, they do that through how they interact with with their clients or with their program participants. They do that through the types of material that they share, the resources that they provide for people. You know, an inclusive leader also is somebody who is um, humble, who's able to admit when they have made a mistake or use an example that they think uh, might not have been appropriate. And they also provide like that space for others to contribute. And this is a big piece too, I think, when it comes to personal finance, where, you know, when you're working with people, they are the experts in their life, they know their financial situations and all the obligations that they do have. So as educators, as counselors, as other financial professionals, we can take a step back to learn from them about what some of their needs are. Um, another characteristics of an inclusive leader focus on like awareness of our biases. You know, in the beginning, like Kathy and I talked about, you know, we're coming in when we're teaching, we're coming in from our perspectives. This is, this is kind of like our positionality, our lives and things that we know. But when we become more aware of, you know, what are some of our blind spots or things that I may not have considered, you know, as I'm working with like different groups. 
some other characteristics includes being just open-minded and listening non-judgmentally. And we talk a lot about this in our volunteer program that we work with, our Money Mentors Volunteer Program, when we're working with people out in our community in different capacity, learning how to use empathy in a way to try to connect and understand other people. And so for us, when it comes like that inclusive leadership, there's lots of different great characteristics. We'll share um, the links to these in um, the notes for the show, but just knowing that it's not about perfection. It's not about being an expert in, in everything, but it's just more of using those culturally humble lenses to understand more about the people that we work with, whether this is on the individual level, on the family level, on the community level, how we are working with these people and how we can best, you know, bring ourselves and understand who we are. But Again, making sure that we're understanding people and what their goals are for their lives, what their financial goals are, and how they're working towards those goals. I think that's really helpful because I think that there's a lot to learn in this area Mm -hmm. and having it kind of laid out sometimes. And I look forward to reading this article more in depth to see where where am I doing okay and where Mm -hmm. can I improve and how can I bring it back to the work that I do? And I think everybody that's in financial education, you know, we want to help as many people as we can to get the information they need to make decisions that work for them and their family members. And just while it's also, you know, important to learn new tools, like how to make a nice PowerPoint, it's also important to learn Mm -hmm. how to deliver the information in a way that people can best hear it and or learn from it. And that's part of what financial inclusiveness means is just making it something that more people feel are included. It's really kind of that simple. Yes. And that hard just... and that simple. <laughs> right. And we're just touching the surface because, you know, we shared some examples, uh, made some references to things, but, you know, there are so many more layers to, to understand in people's full experiences. And we're just barely touching the surface. So hopefully there, of course, um, becomes like future opportunities to talk more um, about this. And you may be able to go back and listen to some of our other podcasts that we focus on, you know, um, the financial transparency Piece. And when we, we focus on topics that matter, you know, women in finances, we... um, a lot of different topics that we have provided because of our commitment to financial inclusion. So, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, so, well, some of you might be wondering with Kamaya moving on to this great new job <laughs> opportunity, um, exactly what's going to be happening with the podcast. And I will tell you, stay tuned. There will be more Family Financial Feuds podcasts. University of Illinois Extension has done some hires in this field mm-hmm. on are going to be doing more hires. So we're looking for more people to join our team. And I see great opportunities as we move forward. So I'd say stay tuned, keep listening, keep checking it out. We hope to bring you lots more great information. Thank you, Kathy. And thanks for another great conversation. I believe I will be back. I'm still with University of Illinois Extension and I look forward to future opportunities of being on the podcast. So thanks everyone. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.